Boys proudly present Pedro Boys. Music, music, music. You gotta jump! Jump on your believe! It's so hot, I can't make it! You gotta jump! Are we at half an hour yet? <laughs> We're only at 90 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm. Oh man, that was some quality content. It always is. It always is. Pedro boys, proudly presenting Mudhorn Rakers here, penultimate episode, uh, in which in which Pete and I are going to uh, continue to give you the true story behind the true story of the making of the Mandalorian. Seven and uh, seven of eight episodes in now. Um, seven wow. of eight episodes in. Yep. Wow, wow, wow. Separating the fact think, from the fiction. Do you think, based on, I don't know, your Star Wars head intuition, that they're going to do this again next season, after season two of Mandalorian? I hope not. <laughs> I mean, ah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like a part of this is they want to take credit. Well, not they. John Favreau wants to take credit for everything he's done. Like, Hey, I got to ask real quick. Speaking of, did he work on The Lion King? I don't know. Do you you think he worked on The Lion King? Um, And I do have that question written down twice because it did come up twice. So I will ask it again later in the episode. You know, the last episode, I bet he's just going to talk about, yeah, on the set of Chef, um, we did <laughs> this and this. Yeah, here's what we did on Chef, you know. Oh, boy. Uh, I, 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 I don't really have any, outside of our own little bubble of me talking to you and me talking to my girlfriend who quit watching this show three episodes in, I don't really have an idea of how it's been perceived by Star Wars fans at large and, like, whether whether people are are really watching it or not what they're getting out of it i mean i've enjoyed it well enough i think there are like some formatting things and maybe the round table discussions are a little feel a little strange sometimes um but i would be bummed if there weren't any kind of making of i'd be curious if it would have been worth it to make this 
like rather than an eight episode show, like just do like a feature length making up type thing. Um, like I I mean I like it. I I like the episode by episode, honestly, more than mm-hmm. a documentary because like with a documentary you kind of have to you know buckle buckle in and then kind of like go through it. So like if, if you really don't like if you really like the source material but it's terrible. Let's let's um, throw just a random example out there. Um, I don't know. Let's say you watch Artemis Fowl on Disney Plus. Um, uh-huh. Why? And you happen to have read the books, and you're like, oh, they were okay uh. when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old. And then you watch the trailer, and you're like, okay, like, <laughs> it seems fine. Judy Dench apparently signed on. Found out that was a cash Whoa. grab. Yeah. Um, it is so bad. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was wondering. I don't know what it is, but I know that it's getting slammed on the review aggregate site that I frequent. I mean, it just it is it's a plus that Disney was unable to show this in the in theaters because they would have lost. Was that the original plan? Yeah. So this was a summer this was a summer blockbuster, and I guess mm-hmm. their focus groups were like, yeah, don't wait until the fall. Nobody's gonna want to watch this movie. <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> and they Uh-oh. they set up for a sequel too like the last like five minutes are like setting up for well, a sure sequel. it's a movie in 2020 it has to set up for a sequel. um yeah it was really bad like you i like josh gad he's fine but like he was absolutely awful in it it looks <laughs> like they just like told him to do some improv and they're like you're a dwarf and he's like i'm huge and they're like roll with it and oh <laughs> my gosh it was it was i mean i don't know what happened to judy like I guess that she's trying to get a nest egg for her grandchild or something, you know, some mm-hmm. some money in the bank. She doesn't need this. Well, I know Best Exotic Marigold Hotel 3 uh, fell apart um, during pre-pro, and I know that, you know, she was really counting on hitting the trilogy with that series of films so that you could get that sort of, you know, three-disc Blu-ray box set money. I think she was uh, just... Uh, maybe that was a financial hit. I heard that she was just upset that people only remember her for Sound of Music and James Bond, so she wanted to, like, you know, show her her other side of, hey, I can do these terrible movies. Judy Dench was in Sound of Music? Yeah. Isn't she in Sound of Music? Am I, was she? Am I getting this wrong? Sound of Music. Oh. You're thinking of Julie Andrews? Wow. Yep. Okay, and we're moving on. So, (laughs) Um, Uh, yes, so say you watch Artemis Fowl. All old white people are the same to me. Is that Betty White? No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Do we have any news? You were making a point about making up features in regards to saying you watch Artemis Fowl. Yeah, I was just using that as a transition to trash Artemis Fowl. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it is... I do enjoy the aspect of it being 20-minute features as opposed to, you like... Would, you would still be watching this if we weren't doing the pod about it, I assume. Yeah, but I would not be doing mm-hmm. it as regularly. I wouldn't be looking forward okay. to it a bunch. Because I, I definitely would be. Yeah. But I also would, like, tune in and out of stuff that w- did and didn't interest me. Um, mm-hmm. Although, if I had seen all of this in w- one sitting... With you know just the lies that John Favreau is spouting, I probably would have punched <laughs> multiple holes in my wall. So. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. I re- I still remember 
the shambles your basement was left in after you watched the uh, the audio commentary for Iron Man 2. So I can't imagine um, seeing it on video, seeing those lies perpetrated. Yeah, you well, really would have gotten set off. There's some, there's some pictures of that um, because mm-hmm. a lot of people have used my screaming out into the ether as um, background footage for like fight scenes and like war movies. So Mm -hmm. um, they just like look at that and they look at the rage and just how psychotic I was in that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And they kind of use that in different films. Sure. So let's see before we get, into season one, episode seven, the score of Disney. Oh, do I have a score to settle with this episode? The Mandalorian. Do I have? I think we'll have a few. Um, there's a new Star Wars show. Right. We haven't talked That's about on that. YouTube, I guess. I thought it would be on Disney Plus, but I guess it's on YouTube. Oh, Ahmed Best Show is on. Is on. It's on YouTube. I guess it shows up on YouTube. It's like a 20-minute video. It's called, what, Jedi Temple Challenge, right? Uh-huh. Um, so I, um, I'm i I'm really excited that Ahmed Best is back into the fold in terms of Star Wars. I think he's a great performer, and uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, I, I think he, he deserves to be in Star Wars and continue to... Um, have a place in you know that mythology and in the creativity behind it. That being said, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna watch this show. There's a line, and I'm not watching that show. Um, that here's my. <laughs> and I will not cover it for this podcast. Here's here's my two comments. Um, okay. One, it's great that you know he's getting this. Um, I think it's pretty cool. I'm pretty sure that they're creating a med best character as a Jedi, like in the actual canon itself. Right, he hasn't. Yeah, he's like a Jedi master with a name. He's got a protocol droid. Yeah, um, and... so that's that's kind of cool. Um, Definitely. Yeah, and he's he's one of those characters yeah. that um, he actually has more than one character already in um, Star Wars because I think he was one of those people right. that was like thrown into background scenes. Like, wasn't he in the cantina in Episode Two? Right. Yeah, most prominently, yeah. him and Anthony Daniels both. Oh really? I'll have to rewatch that. I I didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. Um, my second comment is my favorite part about this whole announcement has been the fights on Twitter, where it's like oh, these like Star Wars fans and they're like 40s and 50s are like, no fair, I don't get to do this, and then people are like, grow up, let the kids do it, and I'm like, how is this something people fight about? Like, Aye. I don't know. This just seems like I don't know if you watched this when you were a kid, the um, Legend of the Hidden Temple. It's, I mean, it seems pretty much exactly to be that. Yeah, and um, I'm sure if I rewatched that show, it would be absolutely awful. Um, and mm. I, I don't think they've won anything in that show, which is kind of a brilliant part of this. Oh, uh, didn't they just, they just get, like, slimed at the end? Yeah, so... <laughs> um, in this age of capitalism, you gotta give a shout-out um, to that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there is there is a new show. It does have Star Wars in the title. Um, I won't. I'm not. I'm not gonna watch it. It looks like a glorified. I hope um, continues to show up and stuff, but it looks like a glorified infomercial where somebody mm-hmm. has like some Hasbro toy and like the kids like use the Force. <laughs> oh come on, Chewbacca! Um, we gotta get in the Millennium Falcon. 
if if Pete, if you want to do some sort of uh, iteration of Po Boys involving that show, you know, feel free to watch it and tell me about it every week. Um, I think the best that we could do, and I'm not going to do this, is fill out an application to be on it. Hmm. Um, but we just or we, <laughs> hire a 12 year old too. No, we just have to find act as our surrogate. Yeah, pretty much, and we're getting to some pretty interesting levels we just have to find a, a mutual friend of ours that has a 12 year old kid so i don't sure. anticipate that happening anytime soon but um i mean i have plenty of friends with 12 year old kids but they are not your friend and they don't like you so that definitely limits our options wow i've already been hurt today but <laughs> just just uh clawing at the scab from the from the oh, old goodness. wound Mm-hmm. Um, I've not. I haven't had a very Star Wars week. I've kind of. Mm-hmm. It's kind of been on the back burner for me. Um, I uh, which is fine, but yeah. The I so I I have some relatives and they are prove re- it. <laughs> picture, picture, picture. Um, <laughs> and they're watching or rewatching the first trilogy, and my cousin, okay. my cousin. A, the hilarious thing is they don't have Disney Plus, so they actually just, like, spent $60 buying the whole trilogy. or nice. Like, the, like um, all of the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fine, you know. Those are movies that are going to stand the test of time. But uh, they just they just love talking about how whiny Luke is. Yeah. Like, he's a real, he's yeah. a real whiny boy. I was listening to this podcast. It's not family friendly so you know our podcast is so if you're you know a younger listener it's not for you but it's called newcomers and it's these two comedians i really like nicole byer and lauren lapkus oh right 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 yeah they are not watching star wars and so they watched it for the first time and um it's interesting i've only listened to like one or two episodes i do find myself very infuriated with like the guests they get that um this is like there's this guy John Gabers. He's like one of my favorite comedians. Anytime he's on a podcast, I'm gonna listen to it. Uh-huh. He's delightful. I love him very much. But he has got hardcore alpha energy, and when that energy is applied to Star Wars as opposed to stuff about Long Island where he grew up, <laughs> oh man, I have a hard time dealing with it. And he's the guest on the Empire Strikes Back episode, and he's just like doubling down on all this nonsense that's just like that's not true and i'm running listening to it and just going crazy but uh they they very much made that that point of like in the in the original trilogy like luke's arc is very where he starts and where he ends um is pretty wild and he is very much like a little itty bitty baby Mm -hmm. in that first movie i don't know if you watch honest trailers but they did one for attack of the clones that there's a mashup right. of An- Anakin whining in Attack of the Clones and Luke whining in A New Hope. Oh, no. <laughs> and they're like, wait a minute, Hayden Chris's acting choices were intentional? Um, which I would go to bat for him any day. But it's, yeah, you mean it's, Luke is, Luke is very, very whiny. But I mean, I think when you're a kid, you know, that perhaps that relates can to help you. you buy into it. You know? Right, like he is, he is not a parent. Like, like, Han Solo is never seems like he's one of your friends, like, ever. 
as a child. Like, you're never going to be like, oh, yeah, Han Solo, like me. But Luke, you know, I think you can grab on to Luke because he is such a whiny goober. Well, unless you're like... Which then makes it all more... Unless you're that outcast that's, like, moonlighting as a singer and a bartender, and then you just happen to catch episode uh, four, New Hope, and you're like, mm-hmm. that's me. I get that. <laughs> Vibes. Vibes sure. all day. Sure. Um, I don't even remember how we got on that topic. Um, you were saying that your yeah. your Star Wars intake has plummeted to an all-time low yeah i wouldn't say all-time low but i'm like i it's just not on my it hasn't been on my radar for the last few weeks i had picked up watching clone wars again i just watched the mortis arc a few weeks back um but then i haven't really gone back after that i just don't i don't know don't feel like it i mean as you know just other things trying to read more you know stuff like that uh so yeah like the only star wars related thing I did this week was watch um, this episode of this show. In lieu of, of uh, binging through Clone Wars, I've been watching a lot of Community, which they just recently put up on Netflix. And the music for Community is done by Lou Gorenson. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. So, nice little connective thread there. And I will say, some really good music in that show. You don't really think of uh, sitcoms and stuff in terms of their music, but there's there's some very good music. That's in interesting there. because um, he was describing this show as like, oh, you have to do like eight feature length films, right. and I was like, huh? Yeah. The way you're making this and in, you're insinuating this is you typically don't do something this long form, but mm-hmm. Community, you know, th- those go twenty episodes, so. Yeah, but I, it's not like there's not constant music in community. You know, it tends to be like tags and stingers, and you know, it may be like one full piece of music or something an episode, if that. And there's a lot of like the same theme being used, you know, every time they throw it a commercial or something like that. But so um, I'm sure it's not necessarily, yes, exactly, an hour's worth of, of music. But that was. That's an interesting point, and it ties into something that they talk about in this episode about um, having heard of Ludwig through Donald Glover, and it's just crazy to have like if like Donald Glover is like my freaking idol, and in high school I would watch his Derek comedy videos on YouTube. Don't watch those if you're a child; they're very not safe for work. Uh, but I first discovered him, you know. Uh, not discovered him, but I was first familiar with him on those YouTube videos. And then he gets on Community and he becomes, you know, this incredible artist who is still, you know, uh, fascinating and, and turning out great work. And then, you know, if I look through, if I'm thumbing through my Rolodex of idols, of course, Dave Filoni is there as well. Mm-hmm. And just the idea that, you know, fast forward, you know, 10 years down the line from watching Derek comedy and discovering clone wars and stuff. And that there's like slowly webs of connective tissue between these two creative folks that I uh, really, really respect and appreciate. What a world. Well, it's cool when you can recognize, you know, good people doing good work and their paths intertwine. Cause it's not yeah, just, it's kind of like it almost is a meritocracy. Um, almost. almost. 
Because it's not just probably it, not. It's not just but... um, Donald. Um, it was also the director or cinematographer from Lion King, who is Ludwig's college roommate that he's done a bunch of work no, with. No, no, no. Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler. The director of Black Panther. All right. Then how? Ryan Coogler is no second fiddle to John Favreau. Then, thank you very who, who, what was much. Ryan Coogler, Coogler who directed Creed. What was Ryan Coogler doing on Lion King then? I don't know. Because I, I, they didn't say he was doing anything on Lion King. No, I think he got the. Oh no, it was Donald Glover on Lion King was talking about yeah. it, and then Ryan Coogler yeah. was also thrown in there too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and so speaking of Ryan Coogler and and. Ludwig Gornson being roommates, and the two of them have worked, you know, uh, Ludwig Gornson won the Oscar for a score for Black Panther. Um, and he had previously... He did a really good job. On... Such a good job. That score is really great. Uh, it made, Like, Ludwig Gornson, he's doing the score for the new Christopher Nolan movie coming out. Like, he's oh, really... Tenet? He's, mm-hmm, he's really... Uh, which is like... I, don't, I can't remember. I guess The Prestige was probably the last time Christopher Nolan did a film that Hans Zimmer didn't score. But he really seems poised to become the next big name in film scores and stuff, which is which is exciting because I, I really like his work and it's new enough to my ears that I don't necessarily feel like I could say, oh, this is a Ludwig Göransson score. Whereas like Hans Zimmer has very much, I still love his work, but you know, people can do a Hans Zimmer parody. You'd be like, oh yeah, you're you're making fun of Hans Zimmer's scores and things like that. And uh, to me, Ludwig Göransson's music continues to be fresh enough and different enough from movie to movie that I can't like nail it down. Like I don't know what to expect from him musically. And that goes back to um, this week. I knew this episode was coming out this week because you talked about it on last mm-hmm. week's episode, but I wasn't consciously thinking of it. And I did happen like a week ago to order the Creed soundtrack on vinyl. Really. And that, and that showed up this week. And so I was listening to that earlier this week. It freaking rules, man. It's so good. Um, well, you, you texted me that I should add it to my uh, run list. Right, because you're always talking about how you run to Jawa Attack or Crawler no, Chase. No, I, I have a soundtrack on my Spotify called Themes with a Z. And it's, oh, it's good, all good. of the theme songs for shows I really like. So... Friends. Um, friends. Scrubs. Um, Mozart in the Jungle. Tales from the Loop. <laughs> um, Gilmore Girls. You know, Where You Lead from Carol King. You know, it just runs mm-hmm. the gambit of different things. And Ludwig Göransson, he, he's a prominent player on on this for sure. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Um, and it was interesting in the liner notes for the Creed vinyl. Uh-huh. He talks about in the Creed soundtrack using gym noises, like like getting noises from a boxing gym and the thought of the bag and the ring of the bell and the you know the swish of the rope and things like that, and incorporating them into the score. And you can definitely there's some tracks in there where you can really hear it in, in a in a very cool way, which is interesting because as we mentioned last week, uh, some of the music for Mandalorian was composed using Pete's heart rate and Pete running on a treadmill was sort of um, you know, Pete, Pete's uh, raw physicality was used to generate the rhythms and the beats of some of the okay, music in let's, the Mandalorian. Okay, let's get, let's get so into we this, were... all right? A lot let's, of people are let's... talking about Ludwig and how it's a recorder um, that <laughs> brought the theme song in. And 
<laughs> and I mean, if you're, you know, a child in America, you've had a recorder, right? Like Josh, I was in fourth grade when I had to do my recorders. Mm-hmm. Um, I think third and fourth grade. I don't know how old you were when you did your recording. I just have always played electric guitar. Um, oh, you didn't have to do it in school? Well, I already was really good at electric guitar, so they didn't. Okay, so you're not answering. Um, and right. it's it, it's not anything like, I don't enjoy bragging about myself. Um, I just let the results speak for themselves. <laughs> but, you know, we all have different party tricks, right? Like, um, Josh, he can really, you know. I can, I can do the alphabet and sign language with both hands at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and, you know, he can really hit those strings. And mm-hmm. I, listen, I don't, I don't go out searching for fame and fortune. For, fame and fortune comes to me. And we mm-hmm. were at a party. Um, you know, Dave was there, Big George. Um, Ludwig was there, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I get kind of intimidated around these, like, music types because it's not really a career for me, but... Um, John Favreau, thinking he can embarrass me, was like, oh, look at this recorder. I bet you can't do anything with it. Him having no idea that, you know, I can really spit some tunes. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, razzled and dazzled everybody. And it was a big impact on, like, that next day, Ludwig said he had a bunch of them on his Amazon wish list. And it looks like he ended up buying them. So, Yeah, yeah, it sounds that way. So, Pete, a big inspiration on this score in more ways than one. They did talk to you, I know, about about the score for inclusion in this, but I guess, you know, Disney, uh, being the brand they are, sort of decided that um, Pete was too buff for Disney+, and that, yeah. you know, having a, a swole Jack Daddy running on a treadmill... Uh, was maybe not the vibe they were going for in a making of show. And certainly certainly not the words that I would use to describe myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And please never say those words to me again. But... Right, yeah, sure. And just a screaming Swoljack Daddy as well, because Pete uh, does famously, you know, he really... ah, Super Saiyan when he's running. So that is why he's not in the episode. He still helped with the score. They did interview him. He provided extensive commentary on the soundtrack. Yeah. Don't be coming to us saying you said, you said. Well, and, we did say, and we're telling and the And here's another thing, too. And I, this is my last gripe with the episode of my snub from, you know, being in this episode. Is they mm-hmm. did not play the Jawa attack score. Right. Because Ludwig, I mean, he was there, but it was mainly... Um, I had like the orchestra on this big, like safari truck, um, like they have in different safaris in some African countries. And then I basically chased after different things. Um, so like I, we went to like a nature preserve Jeez. and I chased after a rhino. Um, I chased after an ATV that the sound wasn't great on that. Um, and I, I just told them, Hey, go out and do it. Okay. Like whatever mm. you think works hey, for, go out and do um, it. Whatever you think works for this. And I just, I, I honestly, we had a ball. I was just chasing stuff left and right. It was some of the more fun cardio. And as you know, as you know, I get very, I get very bored with cardio. Um, 
And mm-hmm. this was a perfect, you know, um, work and play situation. Definitely. And it's it's really ideal when those two things meet. And, you know, when you're doing what you love, you never work a day in your life, blah, blah, blah. The Depending on your level of knowledge about behind-the-scenes Star Wars things, I have to think there were probably some perplexed reactions at the first few minutes of this week's episode. Like, if you do not know who Ludwig Gorenson is, and you have, like, maybe a very casual uh, relationship with, like, behind-the-scenes Star Wars stuff, to go from very dramatic music, shooting explosions, Mandalorians, flipping through the air, Taika Waititi looking serious behind a camera, and then this very young, hip-looking fella playing giant recorders. Yeah, for sure. God, I wonder how many people were like, am I watching the right show? Uh, and it was interesting having Ludwig Gordonson brings a very different presence to these roundtable type discussions in that I'm watching him, uh-huh. it's him, Johnny F. And, and Dave Filoni. And I was like, oh, wow. Dave Filoni and John Favreau aren't very hip, are they? Oh, they really <laughs> aged them for sure. <laughs> Boy, he did it. Uh, now that I mean, you know, love Dave Filoni to death, but it, it's yeah, it's Ludwig Gordon had a very different uh, energy, I think. And it was I don't know that the whole sequence in the beginning of this episode with him breaking down all the components of that main theme is, I think, one of if not my favorite things that's been in this series so far. Um. I just I one of my it. favorite moments from this episode in particular is Dave being so out of his out of his depth that he was just drawing Mandalorians on the music score because <laughs> yeah, he's paper. like I don't really have anything to. I remember that showing up on his Twitter oh, really? account back in the day. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I don't really have oh. anything going on here, so I guess I'm just gonna draw this. So do you think? The way they shot it and the way they presented it, it really seemed like that orchestra didn't know they were going to be recording Star Wars. I think what, yes, um, but I, I can't imagine that those musicians are good enough that they can just do all of that on the spot. I assume that the music was given to them and then they were able to practice it without having a title. And then they... Yeah, I can't imagine these world-class musicians can sight-read music. Um, I don't know. I mean, it may... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I just... Boy, you really would never miss an opportunity to... <laughs> I Listen, I'm, I'm uh, saying... Slyly burn someone. <laughs> I'm saying when somebody t- gives me some a song to play on the recorder, I need... <laughs> I, I need a couple minutes. All right? Um, it just so happened that I had uh, a couple songs in the back of my, you know, playlist. Um, but listen, musicians out there, I'm sorry. I know I'm right. You know, I'm right. And let's move on. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, you know, perhaps they had seen the music beforehand or, you know, not, not really important. It did, but it did seem like. They found out that what they were recording for was Star Wars, like the day they were there, which must be pretty. Well. Other than the the concert master, who I guess is Ludwig Gorenson's wife. Oh, I thought I, I thought she was she the violinist. Knew. Right, but they called her 
Concert Master or something else. Oh, like interesting. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what that means because I'm not in the know. I'm a, I play I play I'm a solo. I'm a solo player, you know. Uh but maybe it's like first chair of first chairs. I don't know. I need to do band. Hey, okay? listen, you I'm beat cool. your own tune. I play okay. guitar. Uh, that's pretty wild. Also, I think it's during those sequences. Dave has a lone wolf trucker calf. Oh, yeah. That just has a wolf on it. It says lone uh-huh. wolf and is a trucker calf. This is something. It is something. What a chance. For sure. Um, but, I, yeah, that whole opening sequence with Ludwig Gornson breaking down all the different instruments in that main theme just sort of further goes to illustrate the staggering intermingling of just so many variables in any given second of one of these episodes or of one of these movies. You know, you're looking on screen... And there's music playing while Baby Yoda is doing something. Uh-huh. And it's just like, okay, they've got how many puppeteers controlling Baby Yoda? They're in this crazy giant 360 LED room. They've got Ludwig Gordon playing how many instruments here? All the, the interplay and the teamwork is just it's crazy. Man, I don't know. Just breaking down everything that goes into something that I think is so easy to take for granted, which is the music of it, because I think when music and film is doing its job, it just feels like it's there. It just feels super organic. It doesn't necessarily stand well, out to you because it's just the emotion. And a, and a great happening. point about that is, Crazy. you know, I, at, at this point in the episode, I, I didn't have as much fury that they didn't show my Jawa attack song. Cause they, they focused in mm-hmm. on the scene where they find little Yanni and then they also focus on Hammer Time. And those are two scenes right. that, like, I didn't mm-hmm. even remotely think about it, right? But yep. it adds, like, this... I It kind of adds this emotion to it. It um, prepares, you know, your ears prepare your eyes to anticipate an action that is going to be coming. And it elicits an emotional response from you, for sure, as you're going through this. Yeah. And, and in many ways, you know, particularly thinking about that hammer time sequence, which is, you know, Mando watching uh, his armor be forged there and kind of flashing back to his childhood and stuff. And with a character like uh, Jenga Jumanji or whatever his name wound up being that does not get to express himself visually, like doesn't have expressions on his face because it's just a helmet. You know, that music gets to be... You know, Mando's eyebrows and jawline and his face and his emotions can be uh, kind of expressed through that. And you can you can read different things into the helmet even just based on the music playing behind mm-hmm. it. Now, let's... It wouldn't be a, a Mudhorn Rakers episode if we didn't call out and shed some light on the glossing over of certain people's accomplishments. And this week, mm-hmm. um, John Favreau says, hey, Ludwig, we just said go out and do it. And that actually is about 100% accurate because um, John Favreau had no idea what was going on. Um, he brought in a kazoozle um, when he was... Famously yeah. tone deaf. And he was trying to be like, 
let's can we just take the John Williams score and put it in there? And everybody looked at him and was like, um, so you just want to put John Williams score into the show? And he's like, yeah, it'll save us money. And I'm like, are you in? He famously wanted to only use Duel of the Fates because it'd be cheaper. Like he just wanted to get the rights to Duel of the Fates and just well, that's it. Was yeah. the whole show was just Duel and of the he, Fates. On, he also on kept repeat. trying to push the music from his show Chef into The mm-hmm. Mandalorian, and and he wanted to re-record Duel of the Fates, but just so he was singing the choral part. Yeah, where. They would just Which was dub him, insane. you know, because that that um, chorus is like, I don't know, 15, 20 people. And he just wanted to be at him yeah. magnified 15 times. Right. And again, famously tone deaf. And so it's just like, Cora! And I was like, bro, no, no. Uh, that was a very cool moment they got with. Ludwig bringing his phone onto set and oh, playing yeah. the music yeah, yeah. off his phone. That must have been pretty wild. That's got to be... I really got to think as a director or you know anyone who's producing you know film or cinematic content, to, to have the first encounter with the music behind your work must be thrilling, particularly if it, if it clicks, because it's just such a huge component. And you got to think like, even the most brilliant auteurs and the most well-renowned directors and stuff, they don't necessarily know anything about music or, you know, it's, it's like such a trust fall for sure. Yeah. To, you know, put the, just this huge thing that's going to be a huge facet of what you're making to put that in the hands of someone else. And when it shows, I mean, just, you know, yeah. To have heard a, you know, Ludwig Orson's score and just been like, oh, yes, this worked. And you can see, you this can see how happy everybody is. Like, John Favreau's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, my gamble actually worked. And mm-hmm. Bryce Dallas Howard was like, that's really, really good. Um, which it, it's, it's really cool to see people getting that information at the same time. Because a lot of times, you know, these directors don't get stuff until it's, you know, in post. So it must be just a delight mm-hmm. for them to also hear what's going on. Um, his method yeah. of just <laughs> being in his studio for a month is something that's like... It's an interesting method. I'm, I'm familiar um, with it. It's just kind of... I mean, I've done it a couple of times, um, but coronavirus has really shook me of not doing it again. Um, like, I've done sure. some, like, desert cleanses... And, you know, some um, man versus the the jungle kind of kind of stuff. But I, just, I, I, I don't think I have the I don't think I have the mental fortitude anymore to just be, you know, in the lab for it's, a month. It's difficult, but I mean, that's that's how I come up with our songs, with our, our po' boys themes, with the po' boy theme, the Tano boys theme, the Pedro boys theme. You know, I just the you, you could just transpose my face over Ludwig's for that whole section. I mean, we have the same exact methods. Same um, hair length. He, I got it. I got to think. Honestly, it's getting oh, to that point. No, it's not. Uh, not quite, but it's it's getting pretty shaggy. Uh, 
it's it's I, I suspect he may have picked up a few things when he was interning as an engineer during my production of the original Po Boys theme song. Um, he just sort of helped out on the ones and twos, you know, turned some knobs here and there while I was behind the glass recording. Beats and pedals. Um, mm-hmm. 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 But very similar um, work styles. I would say very similar results in terms of quality and iconography. So it was it was uh, cool to see my way of working. I mean, people really like the theme. And, you know, They're like, minds. a lot of people, a lot of great people, a lot of listeners like. say, what happened after the theme? And that's just a criticism mm-hmm. of our content, which if you say that, yeah. you know, yeah. kick rocks. Yeah. And also jokes on you. You listened, idiot. Uh, but thank you. Um, follow us on <laughs> Instagram and Twitter. Pubboys podcast. Email us at pubboys. Yeah. And I do have one more note us at here. At gmail.com. I do one more note here, um, but did did John Favreau work on Lion King? Um, let me check. Doop 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 Um, in name only, it it says on Wikipedia. Oh, gotcha. Okay, okay. I can scratch that one off. So next week's episode is called Connections, right? Yeah, and we're gonna be connected like Tetris. It's like Connect Four on Pedro mm. Boys presents Mudhorn Rakers presents Connections, and then I gotta wonder if we're gonna get any kind of look at season two with this because I mean we're getting to the point it's you know four months well, away and it's coming we're gearing into what would have been convention it, season when these sorts of things would it's be also dropping. coming out earlier than it did last it. year. Yeah, by like yeah. a month. Yeah. Which makes you think like what else was planned for them to not overlap. Although they didn't really care about overlapping at all last year with like episode 9 and resistance. That wasn't really yeah. a, a big thing. Yeah. They really didn't care about making but it. But it also, I mean, I'm curious the finances of this of you know, um, I think we, you and I both have it for free right now with our um, cell phone subscribers. Oh, yeah. So, like, is this That's right. them pushing it like, like a month Time a month flies. earlier so that, you know, there's those people mm. that are going to miss out on half of the Mandalorian if they don't renew, the, renew their subscription? Point. Yeah, because they'll be, they'll be like halfway through the second season and then all of a sudden they'll have to be paying for it. That's a good point. Uh, very clever. Very clever. Yeah. So. Pretty sneaky. But, Ricky. um, I think that's going to round out our June, right? Yes. Um, and then I have an idea for July. Okay. We talked about. The idea is. But it would take up our whole July. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And it'd have a dumb name and everything. That's. Get some, I guess. Oh, it, we even have a, a name for it. Okay. Can't wait to hear it on on the pod. Yeah, should be good. Should be good. All right. Well, that's all I've got. Great. Later.